Hello, and welcome to the Total Mental Performance Podcast, the one and only mindset podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs and coaches master their mindset, giving you insider access to industry leaders around their psychology, their campfire stories, and the mindset required to be successful in this business. I'm your host, Kieran O'Neill, mental performance coach and founder of Total Mental Performance, the world's fastest growing specialist mindset service dedicated to the fitness industry. So without further ado, let's lean in and listen. Yes, yes, team. Hope everyone is well. Today, we have the very special Ellis Gatfield. I met Ellis over in Dubai at Mastermind and his story, his energy, the way he's built his coaching business and just his perspective on coaching and fitness uh, is very unique. So I'm really, really excited to bring him, bring him on. On top of that, he's a top, top guy. Ellis, thank you so much for coming on, mate. How are we? <laughs> no problem. No problem. Fun today. Let's go deep. Let's go straight in. Let's do it. Tell me the story before you got into coaching. Tell me about your background. So I've always been into sport, as everybody, you know. I was always that kid with attention span, as most of us coaches. Very short, always into sport, athletics, things like that. So that was always there. Um, and then when I was really young, my mum's boyfriend at the time, he was running for like Great Britain and stuff like that. So I was always been around kind of like sport and just general health and fitness, always looking after myself and things like that. So I just really just got into it from there. So we were just literally, it was crazy. Like you think about it now and I was thinking that must be crazy when you think back, like in the space of all the adverts of TV, like you'd be like, right then let's go, let's see you can get the most press ups in. Let's see you can do a wall squat for the longest. So I've always been around, you know, people like that. And then that just got me to the kind of like wanting to help people you know wanting to try I, I seen what it did for me you know I loved it I was so shy as a person like very very wouldn't talk to anybody wouldn't leave a mum's side as a kid and then when I started playing sports it was like I was like a different person when I started playing you know American football and things like that people would say you're so different when you're on the field compared to when you're off and it kind of just let myself I just I was more me when I was around that kind of environment so that's what I did you know when I was going to the gym I was at school I was probably I was 13 when I started at the gym. Most kids are getting in trouble. I always just bunk off school to try and get to the gym on time because uh, I was training. My first training partner was like this big Polish bodybuilder and he used to train at like half two and I was obsessed with getting big. I was the tiniest kid ever, so skinny and I just wanted to get muscle, muscle, muscle. That's all I was about. So I'd, I'd bunk off school, jump on the bus and go and train with him every single day, half two to probably four o'clock. And my, just, my love just started just growing for it and growing for, you know, just for fitness and the gym and just, I just loved the community that we had in the gym it kind of brings people together that would never normally speak mm. you know or never really be kind of in that circle but when you're in the gym it's like you'll speak to someone you never would have spoke to before speak to someone over there you never would have spoke to before and you're all really close and got something in common so that's basically how i fell in love with you know training and the gym and then kind of going into it a little bit more probably if anyone knows i really specialize in like back loss and kind of my clientele people would look at me and think oh, okay you go to the gym you know you're, you're a bigger lad i'm not massive but you're a bigger lad and you know you, you don't do com competitions and bodybuilding it's never really been my thing i've always wanted to try and you know help general population like large large group of my clients are 80 percent probably women 40s wanting to lose weight and i just feel like i've just get them i think because it was just me and my mom growing up i kind of just really kind of resonate with my mom's all, my family to be fair have always been big always you know like I've always struggled with weight and food and I was like that one that just was never like that I went the completely opposite way so I just I seen what kind of impact it can have on people that are you know overweight and confidence and health issues and stuff like that 
And it just, when I talk to people, I just always found that that kind of clientele just gravitated towards me. I think it was just because I'm used to just being with my mum 24-7 when I was a kid, you know, just me and her and all my family like that. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into the style of coaching that I do now. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Because you understand these people and how they feel yeah. and how they operate. And as a result, they trust you. And the number one predictor of, they did some studies in therapy and they put all the same parameters, number of sessions, the types of mental illness and mental health challenges. And they basically were trying to figure out what's the best type of therapy. Is it CBT? Is it psychotherapy? Is it counseling? Is it all these different ones? And they couldn't determine which one was the best. And the only predictor they could find was um, the relationship between the the client and the therapist. And I think coaching is the same thing. I think it's the relationship between we have we build with our clients and and if you can resonate with these people then they trust you They're like this person gets me and when i think most human beings we're just waiting really to feel understood and yeah. when we feel understood we buy in and we listen and we, we do it and and that's clearly you know that's clearly something that you've been that's able to it's do. like a common thing like even when i get new clients now i'll talk to them always get them on a call make sure that we're on a level. Like, I think as you get more and more experience in coaching, you really got the luxury of like picking who you work with. I think that's so important, not just grabbing people left, right, and center. I really like to make sure that like I'm on a level with them. And most of these women like would say, like, oh, you look so like intimidating when, you know, if I see you in the gym, I'd be so intimidated. But I feel like I've known you years. I'm like, that's what it's about. It's about having someone that you can, there's no point having a coach that you can't talk to. You know, you've got, you've got to be that person's go to person. So yeah, that's, that's what it is. I, I kind of do it just resume with that kind of clientele which is cool makes me a bit different <laughs> yeah and it's quite unassuming you know because like even just then when you said 80 percent of your clients are women in their 40s even then i kind of i knew you worked with a lot of women that surprised me i was like oh fuck well that's quite that's quite a lot and that's kind of what i like about you alice is that people would look at you and, and assume one thing and then when you, you actually get to know Ellis it's a completely different human being underneath that if you look at all your imagery you'd imagine you'd attract lots of you know young men that are like bodybuilding and want to get want to get bigger but I think that's the that's the beauty of just being yourself and just yeah. connecting with people I don't know how people like that because I see I see me and a lot of people like I've got a few clients that were you know like me young really keen to kind of grow and get into it and there's so much like kind of rubbish out there now you know like so much information people just get confused i'm just like want to take them under my wing and say right then don't make all the mistakes that i made like let's just go straight to it here we go you know and that's what i like, I like doing that too but as i said most of them i would would be uh women in their 40s 40s plus you have a very um calming energy about you and based on our conversation i know you've had to overcome a lot of adversity and i yeah. think when you overcome adversity you start to realize you know what it's all right <laughs> What, what's going yeah. on right now is not really a big deal. I've, I've overcome other things. Go as deep as you feel safe and, and comfortable, but can you share some of the adversity that you've had to overcome to get to where you've got to? For context, Ellis has built not only successful offline businesses, but he's also built a very successful online coaching business. And to overcome what you need to overcome in order to build that, I think has set you up. So I think there's some lessons our audience could learn. Could you share uh, whatever you feel comfortable? I think there's, there's lots of different things that I've learned, you know, going back from probably, I would say going back from when I first started, like a lot of people would, I think now people, 
see all these coaches and you know are over you know living this life of luxury people would say and they forget that a lot of us put like a lot of hours in, you know before so when i first started it was probably going back to when i was at college yeah well, i was in college now so i must have went now i was 18 i was at college i was doing college eight till four every day and then i was like i was doing that. i was like i just want to be in the gym environment i want to be in a gym environment so it was there was a new gym opening in the area so i thought let me try and get a job there i thought no you're not qualified enough so i was like okay how can i get in there I was like, all right then, cool. Like, there's a pot wash job going. I'm gonna be a pot wash because if I'm in the door, I can. Every time I see the gym manager, I'm gonna say, "Can you um, can you get me like a placement?" So that's what happened. Basically, I was pot wash for like a year. I was just getting my. So I go to college eight to four every day. I get the bus straight from college to the pot wash. I would go there from half four until probably half twelve, one a.m. I'd do that every single Monday to Friday, and then on the weekends, I got the gym to let me do like um, it's kind of like a no, we do for free, like voluntary basis. Saturday and Sunday was eight to eight voluntary. So I've done that for like a year, nearly. So free work in the gym for a year, two 12 hour shifts um, on top of the pot washing college. That was kind of hectic. That was, that was what gave me a bit of character, you know. And then I was watching, I was watching my mum was working. Mum's always been like a crazy, crazy, had a crazy work ethic, you know. She was busy, 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 busy. And that was kind of what got installed in me. But I think like as I got going forward now, skipping forward, as I got to my PT and it started getting crazy busy, I was kind of looking at, and I see my mum always struggle, you know. She was doing like 70, 80 hour weeks trying to keep me where she thought was a good place to be, you know. She never wanted me to go without, which was, which she'd done her best to do that. So I've always got that kind of mentality in me of work hard, work hard, work hard. But then at the time when I was doing the both, I think my mum, yeah, she had two years off work sick because she just like literally just broke down just thought no like, I can't do it can't leave you know and then when you see mum go through that you're thinking oh my god like and then you've got all these other pressures that are coming on off me now as a young lad I'm like okay I know where I want to go I know what I want to do but all of a sudden now I've got this pressure of thinking like Eddie's just no safety net like you've got to make this happen you've got to do this because you know that was my ultimate goal if you spoke to me when I was a kid it was like yeah just retire my mum cool that's what I want to do retire my mum retire my mum don't want it to have to work so seeing her go through like all that crazy stress you know being bound and just struggling in general getting upset it was like oh gosh like i've got all this pressure now like i i want to you know i want to just work 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 and i probably that was when i probably went too much on the pt and i was doing 65 hours a week personal training wow. yeah crazy like most pts probably 30 hours is probably a limit for good quality pt i was doing 60 hours 65 some weeks of solid pt i was in the gym from you know, half five until half ten and then i go and train myself it was just crazy go 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 and i could just see what was happening to my mom i could see it kind of happened to me and i was thinking shit like i had no energy i was feeling low and if anyone knows me it's like when i walk in a room i like to bring some energy i like to bring you know and with pt and i think with what we do especially it's like we're always giving you know i'm like, like i always give energy like if someone comes into me low it's installed in me i want them to leave the room feeling better you know and that was what it was you know that's probably how i got so busy because people used to come up to me and say, I just love how your energy is on the gym floor when I was beating. So I got to a point where no one could see that. Everyone was just like, I'm trying to give this front up 24 seven. And behind there, I was just like a shell. I was just like, I had no energy to give to nobody. I was sleeping whenever I could, you know, like I'd go and have a 20 minutes in the car, two, three hours back to work. I was just, and I thought, man, who, you kind of lose yourself in it, you know? And it was just like, it was like a, a wake up call, you know? And I, I went, I think it was like, where was it now? I thought I said my girlfriend at the time, I rang, she was like, what's wrong? We're like, you know, like you're feeling really low. She's like, okay, just just ring the doctors and see what they're saying. You know, and I rang the doctors. I remember I was in the car and I just stood there and I thought, oh, I can't. 
I was on the car and I went, what's wrong? Like, the act, just act, actually, I couldn't talk to them. I literally, I was on the edge of fully just completely breaking down. I thought I've never been like this. I've always been this super strong person that's never got upset. I've always been the rock for everybody. And I just thought, I can't do it. Like, I can't, I can't go into work. I would go into the gym and I thought, I can't go in this gym. Like, I can't, I can't go in there. Do you know, like, it was too much. Just the thought of, yeah, I'm going to be stuck in there until 11 o'clock tonight. And then I've got it again tomorrow and again tomorrow and again tomorrow. So I ended up just taking more and more. I took nearly like a month off. I thought, I just got, I can't do it. And that's when I first got my business coach. I, I reached out to my, one of my first business coaches that I used. And it was more of like a desperation. I thought, I can't. I literally can't live like this anymore. You know, like it was crazy. And um, at the time, I was earning good money, but I was still trying to do what I could, you know, at home and everything like that. So it was just, it wasn't, I never sat on loads, you know, I was always giving, giving, giving. If it's my friends that need it, whoever needs it, it was just that. And um, yeah, so basically then, lost a trailer for now. So yeah, that's it. I got my business coach and then literally he was like, right, this is what we need to do. Scale all the way down. One of the scariest things I've done because I see people and I think investing is massive, you know, investing in yourself. That was the first time I actually realized I had to borrow some money off people. I thought, like, this is how much I need this, you know. And to be honest, within a couple of months after that, it completely changed everything around, you know, like it was crazy. So, yeah, that was probably one of the most adverse things, like seeing just the struggle of the pressure of like trying to, that I probably put on myself. It was never put on me from my family or my mom or anything like that ever. You know, she would, but it was just internally, I used to put it on myself a lot. I would see that. And then obviously like I'm working all these hours and where I come from, a lot of my friends would get mixed up in the wrong things and in going down the wrong, you could call it the wrong routes and the wrong roads of getting money and things like that. And it was, it's like you're working all these hours and you've got these people, you know, and like you would literally like, you would look at me and you'd be like, oh, like I'm doing all this and I'm still struggling, you know, and it's crazy. It's so easy to get tempted to just go down that route and stuff like that. So, and that's what it is, you know, and I think growing up as well, I've always had this thing of that sort of, oh, people probably think that you like that anyway. If you're going to get money, people are going to think you're probably doing that anyway. Because I remember when, like, I remember my first experience of that was in primary school and there was this, I was, I was a bit, I weren't naughty in school. I was just getting distracted easily. I had this behavioural coach coming and he just looked at me and he goes, see people like you? He goes, I guarantee you're going to end up in prison like the rest of them. Wow. I went, ah. And I was in primary school and my mum was living when I told her. And I was like, no way. And I think, just, you know, just little things yeah. like that when you just, I was slowly getting conditioned. Like, oh, is that what everyone thinks that I'm going to be? You know, like, and that's what gave me the drive to think, you know what? No, watch, watch what I'm going to do. I want to try and do the complete opposite now. You know, and I think that is where I kind of like it now. Because it's like, I'll see young kids where, you know, I grew up from and I'll see young kids having the same kind of battle of what to do, you know. Um, just, 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 just for the... Um... Just for the listeners, just describe that environment. I know that environment, but just describe what that is. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of trouble that kids could go into. So just describe that. It was like, it was, I used to basically, when I was younger, I used to just look at people around me and I thought people that look like me, that have got money, were either footballers or drug dealers, simple as that. <laughs> like there was, the, you know, there weren't people around me in my area that looked like me that were doing well from coaching or a normal job or a lawyer or, you know, it would just never happen. You know, that was just conditioned. It was like, okay, that's what you're going to be. If you want money, you've got to either be a footballer, play sport or go down that route, you know, and that's kind of the environment it's in and it, it is a constant distraction because you've got people trying to go, oh, do this, like, what are you working on the hours for? Do this, do that, do this, do that. And the same people now, like, they, they when they talk to me now, they're like, you've done so well. Like, they're like, I wish I had that kind of 
Right, it was just focus. I wouldn't say it was drive because it's easy to get distracted, but I was just so, I knew what I wanted. I knew where I wanted to go. And that wasn't it, if you get what I mean. Like, and it's like, and I've got nothing against people that, you know, I've got, I'm not here to judge anyone or what they do. You know, it's one of them. I've got, I've got people that have got in trouble. It's really good friends of mine that I'll do anything for. I've got people that are around me that are, are lawyers and policemen. I've got people on both sides, you know, that I, that I love and that I, that I do both with. But it's just like... It's like they look at me and go, do you know what? I wish I had that drive to just stick with something and go with it. And I think that is what these day and age people haven't got. They just get so sidetracked easy. And it's like, you know, oh, it don't work. Give up. I'm thinking you're crazy. Like it don't work. And go and find out why it didn't work and go and do it again. <laughs> you know? So yeah, that, that's probably, that's what it's like. It's like, it was just a lot of distractions, especially in the gyms where I was training, you know, the bodybuilding gyms, the boxing gyms, you'll probably know that it's very much, that's what it's like, you know, it's normal, but that's what I say. It's like a family in there as well. It was like, because it was just like me and my mum at home. I had no male influence like solid influence you know i had one which is like my best friend's dad like he was like solid as a rock like i was still today like it still petrifies me like him having a bad if if like the thought of someone saying something bad about me to him i'm like, yeah. I can't have that. like that's what kept me kind of on the straight and narrow like i was always scared to i knew people believed in me so i didn't want to let people down respect do you know what i mean yeah really respected him you know and, and i still do like i was like okay yeah, cool. Like, I can't get down that. It's a no-go. It's a no-go. So, but yeah, and I think that's what it is. And I think I see kids now and I'm just like, oh, look, I can see you in me. Like, you've got no male role model. You've got no one to look up to. You just lost because the only, the only male role models you've got are the lads in the gym with the big cards yeah. and the flash and the big muscles and all the girls and all the jewellery and the what, yeah. you know. They're the ones that you look up to because that's what you do as a kid. You see yourself in someone that, oh, they look like me and they look like they're living the best life ever. You know, so, yeah, that's why. I think there's a, there's a crisis in um, masculinity. And I think that is because of a lack of male role models. And even if you think about, you know, particularly when I was growing up anyway, and you might resonate with this, I don't know. But if you think about primary schools in, in the UK, the majority of primary school teachers are female. Yeah. And a lot of young men either don't have their dads around or if they do, they're usually grafting late. Yeah they get even less contact time and by the, the contact time they do get with their dads they're usually quite tired so usually they take them, take them to football on a saturday or a sunday or you know you, you spend a bit of time at the weekend and then off they go so we've got a generation of men that haven't had yeah. those male role models 100%. and for me my, my dad was i was very lucky to 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 have him and he's an incredible man i love him to pieces but he was working six days a week five days a week 12 hour shifts on a factory floor so he'd come home smelling of grease at 11 o'clock at night i'd, I'd stay up and, and, and hide waiting for him to come home yeah. and he'd be so exhausted he'd pick me up you know so like you i i saw that and i thought i don't want my parents to work forever and it's going to be to, down to me to take that responsibility so i think that male role model and not wanting to let them down then i met my boxing coach and he said to me listen i don't you don't have to do amazing at school but if you misbehave, you can't come to the boxing club. And the idea, my mum used to threaten to tell him, and she did tell him once, he didn't let me train for a yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. My behaviour went straight back and say exactly the same as you. It's that I had so much respect for that man and because he believed in me. And he said to me, you know, I remember I used to have lots of business ideas and everyone around me would shoot them down and, and take the piss. And he'd go, yeah, yeah. well, why don't you do it? Yeah. 
oh, I don't know. Why don't you give it a try? What, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, yeah, why not? And all of a sudden, when you've got that, that, that role model, you don't want to let them down. Whereas I think there's a lot of boys and, and young men that haven't had that responsibility. So as a result, it's harder for them to even deal with things like managing emotions. Like like back in the old days, like we're talking about the tribes people, you know, people would sit around the fire and they'd talk about, yeah, fucking that tiger came out and I shit my pants. Like there's, there's stories of people in old societies of men coming together and, and talking about their stuff. But because of the way the society is set up now, you know, because the industrial age, we don't necessarily have that. You know, you think, oh, you, you know, if you can't let out your emotions, it's not man. I thought, you know what? Like, and as I've got older, like, I really don't care. Like, you know, like, if I wanted to cry, I would cry. Like, it doesn't bother me in the slightest now. But as a kid, when I was growing up, when I was still learning, I was like, no, bro, I'm not doing that. I can't be, you know, don't show any emotions. That's it, you know. And that's what it is. But now I really don't don't bother me at all. Now. And I think, yeah, but I think you're right. I think there is a crisis about that. People do need, you know, because not many people, a lot of, a lot of men struggle with their emotions. I think a lot of men struggle with it. And they won't ever talk to it. You know, they won't, they won't talk because they'll think, because everyone else around them is doing the same thing. So it's like, oh, no one else is struggling. It's just me. And I'm thinking that everybody's struggling. Just got to get that in you just to ask someone and you'll be surprised with what to say. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So what do you struggle with today? Because a lot of people seem to think, yeah, well, once I've got my business to this position, I'm coaching X amount of clients, I'm making this much amount of money, or I'll be fine. And they, and they often look at the outcomes and the metrics and they think, well, I'll be happy when. But, you know, you've done very well. You've, you've built an, an incredible business and, and team. Um, but you're going to still struggle with stuff. You're still going to find things hard. What do you struggle with? Yeah. What gets on your mind or and how do you manage that? It's more, you can, you can go two ways about it because it's kind of like, at first it's like you sh- you're scared that you're never going to get there. And then when you reach there, it's like, okay, now I'm scared that I'm not going to keep it and you've got to keep it there, you know, and then am I going to get to the next level? I'm not trying to keep it there. How am I going to get, what is the next level? Like, and it's, it's crazy because, you know, I see a lot of coaches and this and you see this big, you know, I've got to hit a 10K month, you got to do this, you got to do 10K month. Thinking, there's no difference. What I've learned is there's no difference in my life whether I do 10, 20, 25. There's no difference at all in what it makes. So me worrying about that kind of thing is irrelevant, right? It's about more is, am I doing enough? What can I do? What can I do more to help my clients? How can I do How can I do more with this and that? And I think that's what I've always battled with. Always that self-doubt is in, oh, am I doing enough? Do, am I giving them what they need? Or And learning to be able to, one thing that took me a while is to learn that it's, sometimes, it's not, sometimes it's not your fault. You are, I've literally done everything for some people and it's just not the right time for them to, to get where they need to get to. And I used to beat myself up for hours. If, I, if a client was falling off and I couldn't get them back on, it's my fault. I'm the coach mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not, you know it's like I would try my absolute hardest and I'll do everything I can but sometimes yeah that's one that's probably one of my biggest struggles was that was to really give a shit about people falling off and me not being able to get them back on so I've always been that person like I said at the start I want to be that person that makes you better if you come to me and you feel like shit I want you to leave when you leave me you know leave leave me better than you when you come you know that favorite like is oh, who said it to me once it was about um, you see the sign on when you when you when you're young you see things and it's like please leave this as you found it. So you know, like I want I want people to come to me. I want to leave better. I don't ever want someone to come to me leaving the same. No, no. And that's probably what I struggle with the most is was that a lot of the time I struggle with that um, self doubt's a big one mm. because 
especially over being in Dubai now and being signed by a lot of other coaches that you understand that Instagram is just, it's the same with anything. It's a highlight reel. Nobody gives you the shit days. Do you know, no one tells you about their, their fucking months where it's nearly crumbled them, you know, and they've struggled. Like no one talks about that. They just talk about, oh yeah, no, I've got 150 clients, 20 clients, I'm flying. Okay, yeah, but and what I've learned is that I can't judge my character when everything's flying. I judge my character when it shits right and it's getting difficult. You know, that's where I like, that's where, and it's almost like I'm more comfortable there. Like, because I've always been in that struggle my whole life, it's like a struggle. Like, I'm really comfortable. When everything's flying, I'm not anxious. I'm not, oh, this is too good to be true. Like, this can't, something's going to go wrong here. Do you know what that is, Ellis? No, I have a little secret. That's the, um, I call it the underdog paradox. And the underdog paradox is when you're perceived as the underdog, whether you're starting something new or whether shit's it in the fan, you get to work because you enjoy it. And you're like, well, fuck you. I'm going to prove to myself. Yeah. I'm going to prove to everyone else that this isn't going to define me. So they work and they work and they work and they graft and they're enjoying it because they have meaning. They have purpose. They're like locked in. They're like, I'm going to turn this ship around. And then they achieve that success. And then that self-doubt, that anxiety, and I call it the now what moment happens. And they go, fucking well, now what? And then either the foot comes off the gas, takes it off the gas, or they start yeah. fucking with things that are working. And I don't know why. It's like, oh, I can even make this system better. Well, they don't need to. And then um, that leads to self-sabotage. So the self-sabotage, whether that's in their personal life, whether that's in their professional life. And, and then they end up back in that place where they feel like they're the underdog because they're now in adversity and they've got to figure it out. And that's the cycle. And the underdog takes you to a certain level, whether that's in terms of the way that you live your life or in terms of financials or, or whatever. But how can you be the king of the kingdom if you're the underdog? Because you can't. The, ki the king isn't the underdog. The king's the king. And what I see with a lot of coaches is they, when things are going well, they always go, it's too good to be true. And then they self-sabotage and then they get stuck in that loop and then they go around, they go around, they go around. And then when shit hits the fan, they get like, get back to work. They're like, yeah, yeah I've got my meaning, I've got my purpose. And that's something I struggled with for many years. And it's an observation that I made. And I remember doing a mindset session with my mindset coach and just going, how the fuck can I be the king of the kingdom if I'm the underdog? I can't, I can't. And it all become clear. And, and, and that's really where, you know, I got consistent. And obviously you've seen CMP grow and scale over the last 12 months like it has. And I think... Once I made that decision to no longer be the underdog and become the king, it doesn't mean I don't want to scale or I don't want TMP to grow our impact. It just means that it doesn't define me and that stability yeah. of mind. It's a big one because I think a lot of people are guilty of defining who they are with how well their moves go and how well their business goes. <laughs> it's, so, it's so true. I, yeah. I will see people walking around <laughs> literally with their chest held hard because they've done their best book for that. Then yeah. you know, December comes and it drops off a little bit and they've got their head down. Like, it's a like, yeah. wrong with you? Like, you know, like, come on. Like, it's normal. Like, you can't just, just and I think, like, you know what, we laugh, but I feel, I feel like I've been there before. You know, I've been there. Yeah, I've, been like, there I've been there and I think, wow, I think back now, I thought, what was I doing? Like, it's like, okay, cool. Like, if it's quiet, sometimes if I have a quiet month, I'm like, okay, cool. That's a sign at least. You never chill out and relax. So, do you know what? Instead of, I know when, I know I've got the systems and I've got the ability to kind of do what I want to do. But if it's quieter, like, you know, instead of December, I know it's always going to be a quiet month for me. My clientele, that's kind of always drops off. They've got families, they've got things like that. Cool. So, that's my downtime as well. I'll relax. Yeah. You know, because I know Jan, February, March, going on into the summer, it's going to be pretty hectic. So I just learn, I don't sit there and panic going, everything's going to fall apart. You know, my whole life's going to go because I haven't done X amount this month or I haven't got this many clients. I'm like, 
it's cool. Let me just really put, and that's where I'll try and go, okay, like in December when I had more time, I'll be like, okay, then so all my clients are like, if anyone needs Zoom calls, does need this, do you need that, do you need this, let me put into the people that are actually in the business. I think a lot of people always focus on who isn't in them, forget about the people that are in there. And it's really important to think, you know what, no, like these people, look after them. And my it, tribe. Yeah, like, you know, like, and that's what it is, like, and that's what it's about. And I think as a coach, like, you will, you will get them clients where, that's why I think it's really important that you get a good rapport with certain clients. You know, with all your clients, it's like you've got to want to be there. And that's like me starting with PC. I was so picky when I was busy because I was like, I was literally sitting down a consultation and go, could I go out and write out with this person? Nope, I'm not going to train them. So I'm not, I can't fake it. I can't stand there and be face face someone that I don't want to talk to for an hour. I need to, and it's the same with online. It's exactly the same. I don't want to have to sit down and go, oh, this is going to kill my energy now. I want people that I want to be able to lift up. I know people are going to be low, but I want people that I want to help and enjoy. And I, you know, I can have that rapport with. I think it's really important not to just go with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. There's so many interesting points in, in all of that. So forget TMP as a team, but think about the phrase. What does the phrase total mental performance mean to you? If you had it, how would you know? So for me to have total mental performance, it's all about, it's all about your mindset where, I think people need to be more flexible. I need to be able to have, I think a lot of people have got a one-track mind. So me now, as I'm getting older, as I'm getting more used to this, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, if something's going one way, how can I make it work for me? How can I make this scenario work for me this way? You know, when it's, it might not be textbook, you're thinking, oh, this, this is a really bad problem. When actually, no, problem is like, it's a good thing sometimes. Because, you know, and that's how I'm looking at things now. I'm trying to become more broader on how I think and just have, be able to take a step back and not go off emotions and stuff like that. Actually think about things like, okay, cool, right? So this is what I've got in front of me, which is the best way I'm going to deal with this, you know? And then if you fuck up, it's been okay with it. <laughs> and I think that's where a lot of people, you know, I'm not okay. When you make a bad decision, it's like, so for me, for tournament performance, that's what it'd be. Just be able to, yeah, I'm good at what, be able to get better at what I'm good at. But I also want the, the stuff that I'm not so good at. Like, like we just said, like getting stressed out if things are going quiet and learn how to just be okay with that, learn how to turn things around. That is probably, probably what it would be for me, I think. Just being, out, being that all-round person that can kind of, not have an answer for everything, but will give everything a go and not panic and let all the wheels fall off when something don't go your way. No. Love that. Where can, um, where can our listeners find you? Instagram. Ellis Catfield. Instagram. That is it. Definitely. Like, I think my content's a bit different to what most people is like. I said, like, my niche is very different to what a lot of coaches like me are like. So people that like that, I do like my bodybuilding and stuff like that, but my, my content's completely different. <laughs> you would never know. You know, so, yeah, Instagram. Not really on anything else, not really on Facebook or you got me wanting to start a podcast now. <laughs> Do it. Do it. I think you have a, a lot of fun and I think you've got a lot of wisdom to share. Yeah. Mate, thank you so much for coming on. Some absolute knowledge bombs in there and everybody give Ellis a follow. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, do share it, whether that's on Instagram, leave us a, a rating on Apple, on Spotify. But that was Ellis Gatford, everyone. Thank you ever so much for coming on, mate. It means the world. No worries. No worries. My pleasure. So that's us for today, team. I want to say a huge thank you for spending this portion of your life listening to us. A couple of things before you disappear. If you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find all of our daily content on mindset and hitting peak performance at Total Mental Performance or our website, www.totalmentalperformance.com.
podcast.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You'll find us on Spotify, uh, the Apple Podcasts, and all the other various different platforms. Big love. Thank you ever so much. And we're looking forward to speaking with you soon.